welcome back to the Religious Studies Project. It is Monday, which means we have a new episode for you. I'm Andy Alexander, and with me today is... Sidney Castillo, and it's very nice to be recording one of these intros for the podcast that we have. So thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining me. It's great to have you here. Now, today you have a really interesting interview with Boris Brunus Soto on indigenous religions of South America, which of course is not something we have covered much on the Religious Studies Project. Could you give our listeners a little information about your conversation today with our guest? Sure thing. So in this conversation, Boris Brionis speaks about his historical comparative research of the Mapuche and Segnan people of Austral South America, which are are two indigenous uh, groups. And Brionis discusses issues regarding ethno-historical research and the challenges that he faced for studying an instinct indigenous group and a living uh, way of living. So both have shared experiences of colonialism, these two groups, ethnocide and ostracism by larger Chilean and Argentinian societies, yet they still perdure through their descendants and the cultural practices that have influenced current social movements. By the end of the interview, Boris, Boris Jordan highlights how he expects his work to reach uh, audiences beyond academia in order to have an impact on the perception of Chilean peoples the legal status of indigenous peoples and the way they are treated by the Chilean state. So in a nutshell, you're going to learn about indigenous religions in South America, how to research religion comparatively, what is ethno-history, and uh, how indigenous peoples and current social issues are related with larger larger society, so to speak. And also a little bit of science communication for changing perceptions of people on indigenous affairs. That sounds great. Can't wait to listen. This is South American Austral Religions in an Ethno-Historical Comparative Perspective with Boris Brunasoto by you, Sidney Castillo. Let's listen in. And now we're back into the release ties project. This time with a very dear friend and colleague of mine all the way from Chile, Concepcion. It's uh, Boris Viornis this time. I have the pleasure to interview him for the podcast. And he's going to talk about with us about uh, indigenous religion in, in, in Chile, southern part of South America, and, uh, uh, Chile and Argentina. So Boris Viornis is a doctor in geography and history for the Universidad de Cantabria in Spain and doctor in Historia, Antropología, Religione, for the Sapiens Universitat di Roma, Italy. His doctoral dissertation was a comparative study of the Mapuche and Segnam people from South America. He is also president of the Chilean Society for the Sciences of Religions and has done work in the scientific divulgation of religious studies. Welcome, Boris, again to the Religious Studies Project. Hello, Sydney. Nice to talk to you. I would like to start uh, asking you to situate somehow the conversation is the first question. How the intertwining of historical and anthropological research, known as ethnohistory, can shed light on the religious manifestations of indigenous peoples? Well, ethnohistory is a discipline that has a long time. 
Specifically in America, many years ago, it is used to study chronicles and the chroniclers who wrote during the conquest. But ethnohistory can not only be used to study the conquest, but also to study the subsequent evangelization process that occurred in Latin America. There is much research and much to investigate. Um, ethnohistory helps us understand religion before religion. This means that by studying documents such as chronicles, we can approach the study of beliefs when they were not yet called religion. For example, when evangel evangelizers grew up describing indigenous rituals, they did not call them religion. But today, through ethnohistory, we know about their ritual practices. And Uh, the relationship between history and anthropology enters here. In South America, this relationship is still distant, but in Europe, you know, it is much closer. I think the future is as a whole to study religions, and especially indigenous religions, interdisciplinarily is very necessary. Probably many historians and anthropologists did head no history decades ago But they did not call it that because the discipline is formalized in Mexico in 1953. Perfect. So now that we have a little bit of a first grounding on what is ethnohistory, I would like to ask you the following. You have done research about the Mapuche and Segnam people from South America. Could you give us a conceptualization on the region and their religious beliefs? It is a very diverse and complex belief system. Um, first, the Mapuches have a worldview that has changed a lot over time. The Mapuche religion of today is not the same as it was 200 years ago. This is because religious syncretism and evangelization have really influenced it. In the Sagnam case, it is equally complex because it is a cultural group that is considered extinct, but we know that they still exist in Argentina, although not living in the same ancestral way, that's obviously. In both cultures, um, the evangelization played a fundamental role in acculturation and cultural disposition. From a comparative point of view, both cultures present similar ideas. For example, the um, idea of um, Supreme being, in, in Spanish, uh, ser supremo, in Italian, ser supremo, the importance of the cardinal mm -hmm. points, the elements of nature, the ancestors, and many other things. Also, these elements can also be repaid in many other human groups around the world. And obviously, comparative studies in religion helps us to seek a greater or lesser degree of generalization, like uh, mentioned by Anne-Marie de Waal. In the Mapuche case, it is still possible to carry out field work because many of these ceremonies continue to this day. In the Selenam case, it is different. Uh, many of uh, its tradition and ceremonies, such as um, Hain, have been lost in time for many years ago. The last ritual practices were made around um, 1923, very long time ago. Right, over a hundred years already. 
Yes. I found yes. it interesting because uh, one of the groups that you studied for your thesis, you did a comparative study for your doctoral thesis, Mapuche, they are still around, and Segnam are extinct, as you say, and uh, yet there are like many similarities between their worldviews, you know. I have been reading your book that you kindly sent to me, Seglam de Tierra del Fuego, yeah. which is one of the halves of your doctoral thesis, right? Yeah. And uh, there you see all of the things that you are saying, that the importance of the carnival points, like the variety of deities that are around. And uh, yeah, that they had very limited mobilization through the Tierra del Fuego island compared to Mapuche, where like a continental a population that were like widespread in an area instead the segment were more in a almost in the same area so to speak we must understand that uh, religions are very broad in their study involves living many uh, bases society such as religious centrism in indigenous religions it is more complex due to mobility and nomadism in the case of um, mapuche and selgnam uh, cultures now I would like to ask you, um, what similarities and contrasts you found when doing research about them comparatively? I mean, you talk a little bit of that, but I would like to, for the listeners to dive a little bit more on that. Yes. Well, um, as I mentioned before, the belief in a supreme being, um, Temaukel for the Selignam and Genechen for the Mapuches. These two ideas may be influenced by the idea of God uh, of Christianity, for example. However, um, there are another important things. Uh, both cultures gave a higher importance to the cardinal points, both to the East. For example, um, they oriented their ceremonial hats in that direction, uh, to the East. Uh, something important mm -hmm. is the worship of um, ancestors, of spirit. They have many respect for ancestors and spiritually, and it's a central part of um, their lives. Another important point is that um, in both cultures, at least in the 18th and 19th centuries, Athens it did not exist. There was no separation between daily life and religious life. This is very important. It was all a set of things. Uh, uh, I think we need to continue investigating that. I, I don't have a concrete answer now for specifically in comparative studies, but mm -hmm. uh, this is a first ideas. Right, because you did uh, archive research, at least for the certain extensive archive research that I have seen in your book. With uh, first uh, like the Cronis accounts, then the missionary experience by Salesian, and uh, like some of the late 19th century, early 20th century ethnographic, more kind of ethnographic accounts of that as well. Uh, what I what you mentioned just now is like uh, the similarities between this fig idea of supreme being. It reminds me a little bit of what, uh, in uh, for at least in Peru, the case we had this be like one of the earliest books about uh, the like local gods uh, in the Central Andes. Jesus Hombre de Guarachiri, 
which was uh, compiled and then translated by Jose Maria Arguez in Quechua to Spanish. And it was like uh, there were many parallelisms with Christianity and the like kind of local gods because the book was written probably by someone that was already indoctrinated in the religion, so it had that kind of mindset. You know? My idea is to continue investigating that uh, there is a lot of unpublished historical material. I would like to do ethnographic work with the Mapuches in maybe a postdoctoral studies uh, next year um, when coronavirus coronavirus end you know but the idea of uh, being su um, a supreme being is repeated in Latin America you know um, mm. I would like to study that more um, the Mapuche and Selenam are uh, an excuse to study indigenous religious religions now but um, we need to study it much more in, in that way. So continuing with the questions a bit, dive a little bit more into the subject matter, I would like to ask you, what challenges did you face while carrying out research, especially since the Segnan were victims of state genocide throughout the 19th century, as you put in your book, and the Mapuche are continuously ostracized by Chilean and Argentinian governments? Yeah, this is very complex. In Argentine territory, the Selenang are not recognized as such at present. There are called descendants. In the case of Chile, the political persecution against the Mapuche is devastating. Um, there are many Mapuche political prisoners today. Uh, they have only asked for constitutional recognition and their and the return of the ancestral territory that was usurped by the state and European migrants in past centuries, maybe 100 years ago. I had contact with uh, some Mapuches during my research in uh, doctoral dissertation. Mm -hmm. The threat is that um, there is a lot of mistreat in general. Uh, some have had bad experience with the academy and others feel they have been mm. used only yeah you know it's in indigenous people in latin america it's the same in the case of religious study yeah. it is more complex in chile i was denied access to the salesian uh, archives and the navy um, of chile uh, denied me access to dawson island for research purpose this last place was a concentration camp of the Selgnam culture protected by the state of Chile and executed by Salesian uh, missionaries. Uh, mm. but, but it should not surprise. In the documentation, we find, um, uh, we find uh, the governor of May Magallanes um, in, in Punta Arenas, who in the early... Um, 20th century enslaved a large number of Selgnams and he was a hero of the Pacific War, you know, uh, Chile, Bolivia, Peru, uh, considered a hero yes, to this day. But uh, the truth is that he was a sadistic tyrant and a slave. But the history of Chile, especially in what's, uh, what's his military history, tries that these things are not now. There, 
um, are a newspaper um, from 1905 uh, were heartbreaking scenes sales of Indians mm -hmm. on the street in city of Punta Arenas and all covered by state of Chile are related. It is obvious that today they don't want to recognize um, any of that um, because because it's a very problem to um, historic historical memory. It's very complex time. And it's a case, it's in a case of ethnocide. Yes. More. So you were going to comment us a little bit more about the case of the genocide in Chile that the Sagnam and the Mapuche have faced throughout their history? Yeah, um, it is an ethnocide. The Sagnam population decreases with the arrival of the colonizers. They hunted the indigenous people, killed them, um, to um, occupy the island of Tierra del Fuego for livestock. It is an ethnocide without a doubt. Um, Hidden by the states of Chile and Argentina. Yeah, speaking about that, just recently this past year and until the pandemic hit throughout worldwide and also South America, there was like a social revolution, because that's, that's properly the name of what was happening in Chile at least, and also in other countries of the region, but I think in Chile was more prominent. And I remember seeing one of the pictures uh, in front of the the whole brigade of the police and the military that were in the streets because they were counter counterarresting the the movement that was in the streets of the protesters. There was also some people, you know, dressed in Sagnam uh, painting or they were using Sagnam painting and performing in front of the military and the police. And it was like surreal images and also. One of the other photos that I saw was like in the middle of one big monument. They were like climbing up people, you know, and they're on the top of the monument with the background that things were burning, like some of the buildings were burning because of the riots. There was the Mapuche flag. So it's like it's surprising because it's somehow still now there is like this vindication in favor of the indigenous people of Chile you know, and Argentina as well. But I, I wanted to go back a little bit to the beliefs and practices side of both groups. Uh, you mentioned in your book about the Hain ceremonies in the Segnam, and also one of the other things I would like to ask you is about the figure of the Machi, the Mapuche shaman. Would you speak a little bit more about those two elements? Yes, um, first, about the October uh, Revolution last year, um, we had many problems. Uh, the, 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 um, the police represented uh, and murdered many peoples. Indigenous peoples are synonymous with struggle. Uh, that is why they are used in, in protest. We are fighting for a new constitution in Chile. We are raising the demands of the indigenous people of our country because they are our demands. Uh, we are um, only land in 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 Chile, and uh, well, 
uh, of Mapuche, uh, machi is a word that encompasses the um, feminine and masculine Science machi can be male or female. Um, in the Mapuche world, there must be a prior conscription um, to access uh, the techniques of the machi. From the arrival of the Spanish mm -hmm. to the present day, the practice um, of machi has been the responsibility of both men and women, which included a transgender condition. Many men by adopting the life of Machi, assume a feminine identity. Um, although not in all cases, um, Ana Maria Basigalupo uh, relates an initi initiation mm -hmm. episode related to the Machi Marta, who before becoming a shaman uh, had the identity of a man named, named Bernardo. Uh, the mm -hmm. initiation uh, to which the Machi is subjected must be renewed uh, once a year in front of uh, its rewe, rewe, which has been specially mm -hmm. selected to fulfill this function. And it's mandatory that the wood um, in which the rewe is carved is from a native tree. Mapuche shamanism mm -hmm. is more distinguished by an individual form of action with the affected. Whether it's um, afflicted by some bad product of uh, sorcery of, um, or requiring some uh, medicinal treatment, um, in the collective ritual aspect, um, the machi must also officiate the ceremonies. As um, we saw in the case mm -hmm. of the child sacrificed during the earthquake in, a few years ago, um, Mm -hmm. the, the, there are many occasions when the machi goes into trains during ceremonies, generally reaching shamanic ecstasy um, to the um, uh, with the use of the kultrun. It's a Mapuche drum. Um, mm -hmm. The Mapuche religions has too many forms and it, it's too uh, much... Uh, Um, very by individual form uh, in the action with the people affected by um, by the bad things. Uh, that's the case of Mapuche. What about the high ceremony of the Sekna? Yeah, you very thoroughly described in your book as well. Yes, yes, the Hain. Uh, at the well, the first. At the origin of the Selnams, um, as in many religious explanations about the beginnings of a certain culture, the story is um, the history is loaded with a uh, mythology. You know, there are supernatural beings um, who had contact with the earth's plane to erect certain parameters um, that are taken by individuals. Their cultural work in the beginning, uh, the world had no form. There was heaven and earth until the arrival of Kenos. Um, the sky was transparent, only later did the clouds appear, nor did the sun exist. The sky was, lo uh, was low, but uh, when Kenos reached the earth, he raised it. Um, most researchers pointed out that the Selenum 
did not have any religions. But uh, this is not uh, really. Polidoro, Polidoro Sayers, um, uh, in his expedition in 1886, uh, pointed out, uh, he say they have no religion or profess any cult. Uh, which applied to the Fuginians uh, in general, um, but this is um, a really mistake of Polidoro Sayers. According to Gus Martin Gusinde, uh, Darwin, mm -hmm. uh, Charles Darwin, will have pointed out uh, we have no basis to claim that they perform religious service of any kind. Uh, um, another mistake. In reference to Timaukel, Timaukel, as God, uh, God or Supreme Being, Gusinde is the first to point it out. Uh, since the previous missionaries and travelers never had news of his existence, um, the first uh, person to initiate it in the Hain ceremony uh, is uh, Lucas Bridges. Um, also, uh, the Hain, also known as Cloqueten. It is considered the most important ceremony of the Selam culture, and it is probably because of the ceremony that today the image of the Selams in the collective unconscious associated with the painted bodies and ritual masks. Uh, you know that. Uh, Selams consider the ceremony to have um, originated in the time of the ancestors, when women dominated society. At the time, uh, Luna... Uh, It's uh, Moon in Spanish was leading the rituals in the ceremonial hat, and the men had no knowledge of what is happening in there. The Hain was considered um, a strictly sacred ceremony, so it was unthinkable to speak of it to women or children, much less uh, much less for foreigners. Um, Lucas Bridges was the first to document the ceremony. He noted that uh, he had news of her during his long stays with the Selenams in Tierra del Fuego, that the Hain meant school, uh, theater, or lodge. He described that. Um, in this ceremony, reserved only for men, the young people who were uh, to be initiated between 14 and 70 years old, maybe, Uh, had to pass a series mm -hmm. of tests and face to the spirit personified by other members of the tribe who appeared with um, painted bodies and uh, masks. Um, during the ceremony, the young men had no knowledge that the spirit were other men. Only at the end, they took off their masks, masks and lohed and which time they told him the, the truth and forced him to keep their secret from women. Uh, this is a very right. uh, secret ceremony of the Segnam culture, uh, reserved only for a man. In, in its core, it's a rite of passage to indicate the Hain ceremony. It's in its core a rite of passage that it marks the transition from boyhood to adulthood, in other words. Would you agree with that? Or? Yes, the Hain is a ceremony for male initiation to adult life. That's correct. Now that we know a little bit of the, more about the religious life of 
the Mapuche and the Signal. I would like to ask you a final question. Okay. What kind of impact do you expect of making with the divulgation of your research with audiences in academia? Because you are promoting in Chile the Chilean Society for Sciences of Religions and continuously having engagement with public in general, not only with scholars, but also now that since current times we have these live stream sessions, you organize the first digital congress of the society as well. So what kind of impact do you expect to make with all of these uh, research that you are doing? I have been doing various activities outside the academy. I really like this closure. I think it is important to make indigenous culture now and realize that today they are still in the fight, an often invisible fight against the oppressive states, which has sought supremacy and its own economic benefit. Indigenous peoples are still alive in Latin America, and we must be aware of that to rescue their traditions and their stories and their history. To some extent, um, even if we don't know it, we all have indigenous blood directly or indirectly. In this particular case, I would like Chileans to learn more about our indigenous peoples and consider them as subjects of law in a new constitution, uh, it's, this is very important to, um, to knowledge of uh, Mapuche, Selknam, Aymara, Rapanui, and the other cultures in uh, lives present in Chile and Argentina and all of uh, South America. I think that's a perfect wrap-up for this podcast, because what we are all about here also in the RSP is public engagement of academia. Not only talk among ourselves, but transmit what we produce and what we know towards the public to, in an effort to build religious literacy. And I think the work that you're doing is very important in that sense. Yeah, thanks. Well, thank you very much for the conversation and um, greetings to all listeners of the, the Religious Studies podcast. It's a very nice project. Thank you, Boris. We appreciate having you here and also we look forward to talk to you in the future. Perfect. Perhaps when you publish your second book, which will be about the Mapuche, right? Uh, yeah, maybe, um, maybe next year's when... Uh, COVID uh, ending. Thank you, Boris, once again for being with us. Thank you very much. Thanks again, Sydney, for that fantastic episode. And a special thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. We really appreciate your support and knowing what you think of our episodes. If you have questions or comments about today's episode, please head over to social media to continue the conversation there. You can find us on Facebook at The Religious Studies Project or on Twitter at Project RS. Also check out our website at www.religiousstudiesproject.com for more podcasts, transcripts of our episodes, responses to our episodes, and other information about current opportunities in religious studies. We are especially grateful for any support that you can give us as well 
our team does a lot of great work. And of course, we want to help offset their labor in whatever way we can. So even a monthly donation of a dollar or a couple of dollars would go a long way to help the grad students and early career scholars working for the Religious Studies Project. If you would like to donate, you could head over to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash projectrs. Or if you are frequently shopping on Amazon for new books or gadgets for around the house, we would encourage you to use our Amazon affiliates link. When shopping with this link, you aren't charged extra for any of the purchases you make, but we get a very small donation from those purchases. So we would encourage you to use that next time you are shopping on Amazon. And I think all that's left to say is thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. The RSP is sponsored by the BASR, NAASR and the IAHR and is produced by the Religious Studies Project Association, a Scottish charitable incorporated organisation. Find out more at religiousstudiesproject.com. Brought to you by editors Brianne Fallon and David McConaughey and founding editors Chris Cotter, that's me, and David Robertson, that's the other guy. Our features are edited by Rebecca Barrett-Fox and Lauren Osborne and our Opportunities Digest by Ella Bach. Audio editing by Alex Matthews, podcast transcription by Andy Alexander and Savannah Finver, and social media managed by Ray Radford and Candice Mixon. Don't forget you can support the project by using our Amazon affiliate links or donating at patreon.com backslash project RS. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, and other portals. Thanks for listening.